Memphis Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. DeSantis is in. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka on this Thursday, May 25th. Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is officially seeking the GOP presidential nomination. Supporters hope the campaign is smoother than his formal announcement. Death ceiling negotiators are again indicating progress in talks, but there's still no deal. Meanwhile, a key deadline is a week away. Music icon and rock and roll Hall of Famer Tina Turner has died after a long illness at age 83. And major airlines getting rid of one of our favorite travel hacks. While most of the airline industry has just obliged and started paying these fees, we are starting to see some carriers choose not to eschew that change. And as a result, they are in some cases pulling back from offering customer support on Twitter. Jacob Passy at the Wall Street Journal on carriers like Air France telling flyers not to contact them through Twitter. Saying he wants to move the GOP beyond a culture of losing, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has announced he's seeking the Republican presidential nomination, hoping his campaign isn't as messy as his Twitter announcement last night, which was beset by technical glitches. Mr. DeSantis is positioning himself, uh, himself as the successor to former President Trump. American decline is not inevitable. It is a choice, and we should choose a new direction a path that will lead to American revitalization. For months, Mr. DeSantis has acted like a 2024 presidential candidate, but yesterday, several hours before his much-hyped chat with Elon Musk on Twitter spaces, he filed paperwork with the Federal Election Commission making the campaign official, later on Fox News. We believe it's inappropriate to be jamming things like transgender ideology into elementary school classrooms, and we had a bill to protect parents and children from that Uh, in Florida. Analysts say the challenge for Mr. DeSantis is to not alienate too many Trump supporters in attempts to convert them. There still appears to be progress in negotiations, but no agreement to raise the nation's borrowing limit ahead of a looming deadline. Negotiators for President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy held what both sides called productive talks yesterday to reach a deal to raise the debt ceiling and avoid a catastrophic default. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. The talks continue, and uh, and we believe that there is still an opportunity here to get to a bipartisan, reasonable, reasonable bipartisan agreement. Meanwhile, ratings agencies have taken note of the impasse. Fitch put the AAA ratings of the U.S. on negative watch yesterday, saying risks have risen, that the debt ceiling will not be raised in time. Moody's, another rating agency, might change its assessment of U.S. debt if... Lawmakers indicate a default is expected. That could push up borrowing costs. The Treasury Department has warned the government could be unable to pay all its bills by as soon as June 1, just one week from today. Music icon Tina Turner, the pioneering soul-turned-rock star with an unmistakable husky and seductive voice, has died after a long illness. She passed away yesterday at her home in Switzerland. In 2019, she posted a video online about turning 80 years old. Yes, I'm 80. What did I think? How did I think I would be at 80? Not like this. How is this? 
Oh, well, I look great. In the 70s, <laughs> she fled an abusive relationship with her mentor and first husband, Ike Turner, to achieve unlikely pop stardom in the 80s with hits like What's Love Got to Do With It? That private dancer album also included Better Be Good to Me. A native of Nutbush, Tennessee, the eight-time Grammy winner, born Anna Mae Bullock, began her singing career in a Baptist church choir. For many years, Ms. Turner has lived a reclusive life while battling ill health. Tina Turner was 83. Pure opportunity. It's what Michigan is all about. The opportunity to do more. The opportunity for all businesses to reach their full potential. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio to discover all the ways the MEDC is helping Michigan thrive. Hey, thanks for joining us. Welcome into Thursday. We are coming to you live from the Ashley Furniture Studio. Ashley, America's number one furniture and mattress store. The health insurance of 600,000 Americans is hanging in the balance as part of last-minute negotiations to raise the U.S. debt ceiling. House Republicans are pushing to include beefed-up work requirements for recipients of federal welfare, like the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program and Medicaid, as part of a debt ceiling deal with the White House. More from Tobias Burns, economics reporter at The Hill. Toby, what's up here? They basically said that 1.5 million Americans would lose federal Medicaid coverage. That breaks down into uh, about... Uh, when you when you incorporate the, the metrics for, or the, the programs from the state level, it, it translates into 600,000 people actually losing their um, their health insurance through Medicaid. Uh, and this is done basically through a, a work requirement uh, stipulation in the House passed legislation, which uh, which Republicans are pushing to um, get the, the debt ceiling raised. Mm. All right. So w- what stood out to me in reading your story uh, I, I understand the, you know, the basics of, of how this works. However, a lot of these people won't even know, I guess, that they've lost health insurance in one way, shape, or form or some sort of government support until yeah, it's well, too late. We, we've got a precedent here, um, and sort of these, these work requirements were put into place uh, in Arkansas on the state level, similar ones um, that, that are now being proposed for the, the federal level. And... Uh, Many Arkansans uh, or Arkansans, um, they uh, you know they didn't even see this coming. And I talked to some some people who had you know serious health conditions. By the way, these these work requirements are for able-bodied people who theoretically can work. So this isn't like a blanket um, you know removal of coverage. There, it's for a specific segment of the population. But those requirements, when they were put into place just due to the way that these things are communicated. Yeah, people didn't even know. So so I talked to some some folks who brought lawsuits against the state and to some lawyers who who had represented these people and you know they they had to go out and actually kind of go to gas stations and bus stops and actually put out flyers to let people know that their their healthcare situations may seriously be changing. Wow. We're speaking with Toby Burns, economics reporter at The Hill. His story is called Health Insurance for 600,000 Americans at Stake in debt ceiling debate, and it's part of the work requirements that uh, Republicans are pushing. Um, does that work, by the way? <laughs> that That's the thing here. I mean, you know, on a theoretical level, you can kind of see, you know, why why this proposal would, you know, would make sense if you want to encourage work and you want to, you know, you want to want people to be not just living on, on a government uh, program, but actually, you know, 
participating in in the the economy okay then you know maybe having a work requirement will incentivize some kind of um you know personal decision to go earn a high wage but i mean it doesn't you know if you've ever been out of work you know it doesn't really work like that finding a job is a is a you know oftentimes it's a difficult thing to do even though the you know we have a a really good levels of of employment in the economy right now you know a job is a serious thing and and it takes time and and to get well paid is is its own it has its own set of burdens so so they've actually done some research out of the harvard th chan school of public health to see if these things make a difference and what they found is that they do not actually incentivize work because of you know it's difficult to find a good and high paying job and instead what they effectively do what they're what they are really good at is getting people off of the programs because you know work requirements are are pretty onerous you know you got to fill out a bunch of paperwork so so there is not a lot of good social science on the side of uh of what this proposal is aiming to do okay i think it was some person uh in your story said something along the lines of it's really more of a paperwork issue than an actual work work issue or something like that right yeah a lot of um public policy scholars that i've talked to you know their states have a lot of data on on us on citizens about who's working and who's not you know you there are payroll databases that are associated with social security so you could you could look into these things and design a, a back-end administrative program that can see who's got a wage coming in and who's not and the the republican legislation actually does say you know you should favor databases that already exist as opposed to making people you know come out and and verify their own work themselves this segment of the population i mean um but you know that's that's what they're asking you to do. They're asking you to go through this process, which we saw in the case of Arkansas, is is quite difficult. And I, I mean, it, it's not just quite difficult. It was it was almost absurd in the sense of in the case of Arkansas because they would turn the this isn't in the story by the way, but it was one of the few websites that they would turn off at night. So you could only actually log in and and fill out your work requirement paperwork uh, before 9 p.m. Otherwise, the the website would just shut down. It was pretty absurd. Thanks, Toby. Tobias Burns, economics reporter at The Hill. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Ron DeSantis's long-awaited entry into the 2024 race for the White House was hit by technical glitches after a Twitter live stream malfunctioned delaying last evening's announcement by 20 minutes. The Florida governor went on to use the event to champion his conservative credentials, his anti-lockdown stance, and education reforms. Governing is not entertainment. It's not about building a brand or virtue signaling. It is about delivering results. DeSantis joins a growing list of contenders seeking to unseat Donald Trump, who leads the Republican field by more than 30 points in some national polls. Number two. President Biden renewed his call for Congress to ban AR-15 firearms, assault weapons, and high-capacity magazines as he marked one year since the mass shooting at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, that left 19 children and two teachers dead and 17 more injured. It's time to make our voices heard. Not as Democrats or as Republicans, but as friends, as neighbors, as parents, as fellow Americans. And I'm being deadly earnest when I say that. Congress passed legislation last June to tighten some gun restrictions, but the president urged Congress to do more. Number three. A U.S. debt default could be catastrophic for the economy, destroying more than 7 million jobs and triggering a severe recession. As according to Moody's Analytics, which predicts a disastrous hit to the economy equivalent to the 2008 financial crisis in the case of a prolonged breach of the debt ceiling. 
In that bleak scenario, the unemployment rate would skyrocket above 8%, GDP would plunge by 4%, and stock prices would tumble by 20%, wiping out $10 trillion in household wealth. The Arkansas man who was photographed on June, uh, January 6, 2021 with his feet on the desk of then-Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office has been sentenced to four and a half years in prison. Federal prosecutors had asked the judge to sentence Richard Barnett to more than seven years for his actions. Based on reliability, experience, costs and reach, and loyalty, travel platform, the Points Guy says Delta is the number one U.S. airline. Delta scored high for punctuality with nearly 84% of its flights arriving on time. This year, United is number two, followed by Alaska, American and Southwest. Next come Hawaiian, JetBlue, Spirit, Allegiant and bringing up the rear frontier. All right. Thank you, Jen. Ashley's Memorial Day sale is going on now. Get ready for summer with the biggest and best furniture deals. Be one of the first to take advantage of a selection of must-have items now under $500 and get up to 50% off spotlight deals. Whether you're redecorating indoors or rethinking your outdoor space, save big on this season's trending styles that will make your home the perfect setting for summer get-togethers. Visit your local Ashley store or ashley.com to shop and save today. Only at Ashley. Glad you're with us. Welcome into Thursday. A couple of major European airlines, including Air France, are telling travelers not to contact the company through Twitter. Here's Jacob Passy, travel reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Jacob, what's going on? So Twitter, obviously, under Elon Musk, has changed a lot in terms of how it operates. Um, And one of the big changes that he has ushered in is that um, a lot of services that used to be free now cost money, in particular being verified um, and having access to um, the back end of Twitter's uh, technology that a lot of companies had. Now they must pay a fee for that. So and and it can be quite pricey. And so um, while most of the airline industry has just obliged and started paying these fees, we are starting to see some carriers choose not to eschew that change. And as a result, they are in some cases pulling back from offering customer support on Twitter. Um, So so these airlines like uh, Air France, uh, KLM, who now say they are not going to direct message you on Twitter if you have a question, concern slash complaint, they say what about this? So they they say that it's because of uh, the the changes in terms of the API. So not to get into too too much of the complexities with technology, but basically um, Twitter used to make it free for companies to, um, you know, use the, the, the coding to create their own systems that tied into Twitter um, to enable customer support features through the social media platform. Um, And so now Twitter's charging for that. Um, And a lot of these airlines don't want to play play ball. And uh, and it is not easy for them to respond in the, you know, in on mass to tons of complaints or or quandaries over Twitter like they used to without that technology. So okay. instead, they are directing folks to other platforms, uh, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, their own you know, messaging features within their website or uh, mobile app um, instead of Twitter. Um, but obviously, Twitter is, has become popular with consumers as kind of a customer support mechanism. Yeah. Um, folks like to complain on there. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how customers respond. 
We're speaking with Jacob Passy, travel reporter at the Wall Street Journal. His story is called Some Airlines Avoid Twitter, Putting a Popular Travel Hack at Risk. Uh, what does Twitter say about it? Well, uh, Twitter did not respond. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Twitter has uh, has uh, taken this new stance where they are um, automatically responding to press inquiries with a poop-shaped emoji. Did, did you say that the Twitter Public Relations Department responded to your media inquiry with a poop emoji and that was it? That is what they're doing for all reporters these days. Uh, Elon Musk uh, is not is not a huge fan of the the the, the news media, um, as he has made abundantly clear. Um, and without going too much into that, that's just been their strategy. Um, you know, different different news outlets have taken different approaches to it. So yeah, these days it is not particularly common to get an actual uh, response to a press inquiry from Twitter. Jacob Passy, travel reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Don't forget, by the way, we can connect on social media. You can friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at This Morning Show. You can follow me directly on Twitter as well at Gordon Deal. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2023. An all-star team of the world's best journalists bring you the facts each and every morning. This is America's First News. This morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Thursday, May 25. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. Ron DeSantis enters the GOP presidential field. Progress but no agreement on the debt ceiling. A Miami company says it'll have a high-speed train running between Los Angeles and Las Vegas in time for the 2028 L.A. Olympics. A paralyzed man from the Netherlands is walking again thanks to brain and spine implants that allow him to merely think about walking before he does it. Rock legend Tina Turner has died at 83. And the Michigan teacher celebrated by his school after finishing cancer treatments. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Ashley Furniture. Ashley, America's number one furniture and mattress store. Are we heading toward another summer of gasoline that costs $5 a gallon? At least one expert says no. We're joined now by Tom Kloza, Global Head of Energy Analysis at Oil Price Information Service. Tom, your expectations? I would expect to see prices move up a little bit, maybe 5 to $0.10 cents in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. And then after that, we'll have to see. This is kind of a dress rehearsal for the real driving season. And so far in 2023, we're about driving about as much as we did last year, even though prices are more than a dollar cheaper. And they'll probably be about a dollar fifty cheaper when we get into mid-June. So it's it's going to be an interesting experiment with the American consumer. That's for sure. Right, what are these factors then that uh, could impact this? Well, I, you know, you, you worry about it being like Easter Sunday syndrome. In other words, churches aren't built for Easter Sunday, and the gasoline distribution system isn't built for people driving, you know, 10 or 15% more from, let's say, June 20th through the rest of July. So that's the biggest fear. 
We've got additional refining. We added uh, probably about 450,000 barrels a day of refining capability and crude oil is pretty sleepy. So generally there's no question we're going to be below last year. It's a question of whether we're a dollar or a dollar 50 lower. Okay. So uh, where are we with supply right now? Uh, supply is okay. We're a little bit lower than we are with typical uh, stocks, but demand has been, you know, quite disappointing relative to before the pandemic. It's about on par with last year. And, and that's kind of an interesting experiment. It, even though gas prices will be a dollar fifty lower, it's not as though people say, well, I want to go out and use it. So, you know, and I think uh, when they plan their vacations and their trips, they're finding that hotel prices are quite high, along with the rest of the things that inflation uh, uh, comes down on. Mm. We're speaking with Tom Closa. He's the global head of energy analysis at Oil Price Information Service. And we're talking about the price of summer gasoline. Uh, I guess there's always uh, geopolitical factors that could weigh on the price as well. Yeah, not too much, though. I, I think that, you know, we've we've become used to a raging war in the Ukraine that's not having much impact on Russian molecules getting to various countries. The big threat comes during tropical season. I mean, we have much more refining capability from, let's say, Corpus Christi through Texas and Louisiana into Mobile, Alabama, and it's all on the coast. So, the coast needs to be clear in terms of tropical weather or else we'll have a problem in the second half of the year. Okay. There were uh, some headlines talking about uh, $5 a gallon gas this summer. Um, I guess maybe in some parts, but not on an average. Is that what I'm getting from you? Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of geographical diversity. Uh, east of the Rock Low, and if you live in the states that are served by Gulf Coast refineries, you can probably find gasoline for about $3 or less. I fueled up at a Bucky's in South Carolina this week for two eighty-five on the way wow. up north. But California is more expensive. They're doing things to uh, uh, try to penalize refiners, and that may actually impede some of the production. So if you're going out west you know, to uh, the, the Hawaiian time zone or the Pacific time zone, you're going to pay a little bit more. How about these uh, decisions from OPEC Plus? Well, OPEC Plus, it's interesting. They're blaming speculators now for the fact that prices are not rallying. And actually, speculators were probably to blame for when they went up to uh, $5 a gallon gasoline and $100 crude. So it's interesting. They do have a meeting in uh, a couple of weeks, and uh, it does appear that some of the countries that tend to cut production are following through on that promise. And then explain, too, because you touched on it at the beginning of our conversation, uh, Russia's war on Ukraine. Uh, well, you know, every, everybody thought that we were going to lose, you know, a substantial piece of the 10 million barrels a day of liquids that Russia produces. And unfortunately or fortunately, depend on your, depending on your perspective, they're managing to sell the crude, but at discounted prices to India, China, and some other countries that aren't part of uh, the boycott. You know, that's a good thing for consumers because they're not paying those ridiculous prices that we had to pay a year ago, but it's not quite penalizing Russia as much as we thought. All right. Thanks, Tom. Tom Closa, Global Head of Energy Analysis at Oil Price Information Service. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. 
Thanks for joining us. Welcome into Friday Eve. It is time now for the Mic Drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, you know, we're bombarded with ads every day by insurance companies telling us they'll protect us from all kinds of disasters and even mayhem. But we know that in reality, it's a lot harder to collect on those promises. For example, what happens if 18 escaped water buffaloes pay a visit to your backyard and decide to take a dip in your swimming pool? This actually happened to a couple in the UK who say the animals caused more than 31 $1,000 in damage, destroying fencing, flower beds, and messing up their pool. Worse yet, when the water buffaloes descended on their property, they called emergency services for help, only to be told that they don't accept hoax calls. When the owner of the escaped animals finally came to retrieve them, it was time to collect the damages, though it took 10 months, but the couple say the insurance company finally agreed to pay them the full amount. Wow. I'm not, not sure exactly uh, what the holdup was there. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like a pretty clear-cut case to me. Maybe thought they thought it was a hoax, too. I mean, I, they have to have video, right? <laughs> they, they had to do, who, who doesn't take video of water buffaloes in your backyard? What? Who owns 18 water buffaloes, I guess, is what I want to know, too. What, yeah. well, why would you have have these animals yeah that that I'm not, I'm not so sure could yeah. you i mean these things are big these are like <laughs> yes. you know like thousand pounds you know half a ton yeah it's, it's roaming through your yard clobbering your fence trouncing your flower beds and then entering your pool yeah the, yeah the water buffalo guy needs to invest in some better security oh. it, it would appear to, to keep, keep those things under wraps 18 water buffalo. yeah and uh, speaking of animals and places we don't expect them, it sure was surprising to see a squirrel at Yankee Stadium during a game the other night. And if you need proof, just look at the faces of the fans in the row where the animals suddenly popped up. Cameras caught the moment where a squirrel was seen scurrying across the ledge in front of a row of fans high up in the stadium on Tuesday. And whether it was the sheer surprise of seeing a squirrel so incredibly close up or the setting at a Major League Baseball stadium in the Bronx far from any trees, it was the reaction of the Yankees fans that made it a national story. Mouths wide open, eyes bulging out of their heads like they had just seen an alien spacecraft land in the outfield. Twitter users couldn't help but make fun of the fans who looked like they'd never seen a squirrel before. After mesmerizing the squirrel rookies, the animals then seen falling from quite a distance but was said to have made it to the ground in one piece. Okay. And I think it was even scurrying across the field at one point oh, during wow. the game like while play was going on. So Jeez. had quite the night the squirrel did. I'm I mean, the faces of the fans in slow motion yes. <laughs> really sets them up uh, badly. Yeah, yeah. It's I the slow-mo that makes it. They, they, obviously, we're not ready for uh, for such an yeah. event to happen so close to them. I mean, the shock look on their face. You might have thought a woolly mammoth like had you know walked out of the prehistoric yes. era. And a water buffalo, maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Unbelievable. Crazy Thank enough. you, Mike. Good story. The Dell Technologies Summer Sale event starts now with limited quantity deals on select performance PCs with Windows 11 Pro. Save on select Vostro laptops with built-in security features and select Latitude laptops with enhanced privacy, collaboration, and connectivity. Save on essential accessories, plus get free shipping. Dell Technologies recommends Windows 11 Pro for business. Call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for spending time with us. May is traditionally considered a good time to buy a car, but starting around the summer of 2021, the normal rules for finding deals on cars have been thrown out the window. Money.com explored whether Memorial Day car deals are worth it. During pre-pandemic times, Memorial Day offers popped up as dealerships tried to juice sales at the end of the month. However, this year, shoppers are less likely to find old model year cars this late in the cycle because... 
vehicle inventories are still low. That said, Memorial Day car shoppers in parts of the country can find 0% APR for 36 months. Offers for cars like the 2023 Mazda CX-9 or the 2023 Nissan Rogue SUVs. Other deals include a 0.9% APR for 36 months offer for the 2023 Honda Ridgeline truck and a 1.9% APR for 36 months offer for five Chevrolet models, including the Silverado. There are also longer loan term offers with higher rates, including a 3.99% APR for 48 months financing, on the 2023 Toyota Camry and a 2.99% APR for 60 months promotion for the 2023 Audi Q5 SUV. Again, these deals are not available everywhere or at every dealership. It's eight minutes now in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Tina Turner, the performer whose powerhouse singing and dancing took her from an R&B music review to the peak of pop stardom, has died at age 83. She was an eight-time Grammy winner with a textured voice that transmitted raw emotion in songs like River Deep, Mountain High, and What's Love Got to Do With It? Turner whipped up audiences with her frenzied and sensual stage presence. Turner died Wednesday at her home in Switzerland after a long illness. Number two. Negotiators worked Wednesday to reach an agreement on reigning in government spending, which has emerged as the central hurdle to a deal to raise the debt ceiling with a possible government default just a week away. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. There's a number of issues that are out there that we've been working on. I think been able to find some ways that we could probably get to fruition on a couple of these. There's still a number of them out there, so I want to work as hard as we can and not stop. The White House has offered a spending freeze for next year, while GOP negotiators have insisted any deal must result in lower discretionary spending. Number three. President Biden today will announce he is tapping Air Force General C.Q. Brown Jr., a history-making fighter pilot with deep knowledge of China, to serve as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Brown's confirmation would mean that, for the first time, both the Pentagon's top military and civilian positions would be held by blacks. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, the first black Pentagon chief, has been in the job since the beginning of the administration. Brown would replace Army General Mark Milley, whose term ends in October. Matthew Kachuk, a power play goal! It's 4-3 Panthers with 4.3 seconds to go in regulation time! The call on WQAM as Matthew Kachuk scored the game winner for the Florida Panthers as he beat the Carolina Hurricanes 4-3 to sweep the Eastern Conference Finals on their way to the Stanley Cup Finals for the first time in 27 years. Florida will play either Vegas or Dallas in the Finals. Party is on in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thank you, Jen. What does the future of mobility in Michigan sound like? It's the sound of new EV charging stations at our state parks. Discover all the ways MEDC is driving next-gen mobility in Michigan at michiganbusiness.org slash radio. Thanks for spending time with us. A high school teacher in Saginaw, Michigan, was recently greeted by a large crowd of family and friends as he completed his last round of cancer treatment. Storyful, says Brendan Harrison, who's also a varsity baseball coach, had completed his 12th round of chemotherapy fighting colon cancer. Uh, colon cancer, rather. On May 8, Mr. Harrison exited the healthcare facility and was met by an overwhelming round of applause, cheers, handmade posters, and hugs. The heartfelt moment was captured on video. <laughs> Thank you. 
While ringing a bell, a tearful Mr. Harrison can be seen embracing his friends, family, students, and the boys on the baseball team who call him Coach Bubba. On that Monday when they arrived to the treatment center, the Bay City Western baseball team tweeted photos alongside Mr. Harrison. Storyful says Mr. Harrison was diagnosed with colon cancer in October 2022. He immediately had surgery to remove a cancerous mass. Two months later, he began his half year of chemo. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.